Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, since it's just two of us, I thought we could just banter a bit. Yeah. Direction, yeah, yeah, agreed, man. Um, I mean, I guess you know, there's been a lot of rubbish of late, but the (laughs) (laughs) uh, one of the things that caught my eye, and I guess we exchanged about it a bit in the chat, is the primaries of the two main parties, particularly APC and the nomination form saga and all that jazz. Um, but, you know, before we get into it properly, I wanted to ask you something, which is, um, should the left care at all about APC and PDP primaries? I mean, is that something we should even be paying attention to at all or talking about? I think I think they should care because it is seeming like they're the dominant party and at, the, at this point in time they might be the ones offering who the potential leader of the country is going to be like they should care at least you should know the nature of who wants to come and make your life miserable for the next four years so and how you can better organize against them you know so they should care not for anything you know for that yeah yeah but i mean like you know one could say that the distinctions between these guys are so meaningless by and large i mean like is what okay? This guy is older than the other guy, or this guy's claims to be of this ethnic group or the other, etc. Like, aside from that, like, is there any real practical, like, what is the practical significance of like paying attention to this stuff? I mean, I, I you know, I have to, and you and I have to for various reasons, including yeah. professional reasons and whatnot. But sometimes I'm just like, yeah. is this more of a distraction, more of a spectacle that like pulls us away from what we're supposed to be doing, or? Is there actually something to be gained here? You know what I mean? In practical terms. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all of what you said. It's a distraction. It's a spectacle, you know. And, of course, it serves a tool of creating a false dichotomy between these guys. Wherein you think, oh, I'd rather go for one, you know, than the other, you know. But in the material sense, you know, and, you know, for someone that is class conscious, you have to see that. No matter who out of these guys are getting there, they don't represent your interests. Like they're not there solely, you know, to or they're not there for your own well-being. They're there to further their own class interests, you know. So because the ruling class is kind of, in fact, vaguely now split into two, you know, doesn't mean that there there's a sort of fundamental difference. This is what people should get into, you know, their heads. Like this, there's no difference over here, and we've seen how the cross, you know. Um, Carpeting has started. We've seen people moving from parties here and there, you know. So if there was any ideological difference, you know, we'll see that, you know, that that, that flexibility, that convenient flexibility would not be what has, you know, what we've been seeing. You know, it won't be what uh, is the major uh, play for these guys. So there's no difference, you know. It's all it's all of that spectacle, even to confuse the people too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, but check this out, right? I mean, that's that I, I buy that for sure. And like, obviously, um, this kind of a distinction without a difference at that, at that major. <laughs> and, I, and I agree that like, there's a confusion element, but then that, that kind of makes a certain aspect of this a bit funny and confusing. And it's the aspect of that hundred million Naira APC nomination form. Because like, mm. that feels like, a kind of strange move 
for an elite that desires to mask their domination in some way, right? Like, ordinarily, you would think that they would want to slightly hide the extent Mm. to which they dominate the economy and politics. Because, like, Mm. if you talk to ordinary people about, like, if you just say 100 million, like, people will roll their eyes and be like, wow, these guys are crooks and, you know, the situation is terrible. So, I mean, given the fact that it exposes how unequal the system is, you know, like people are hustling for 500 Naira or 1K, you know, and then somebody is just throwing 100 million away on nomination form. Like, given how it exposes that dramatic inequality, why do you think that these guys were still comfortable with pegging that kind of amount, you know? Uh, the thing that the thing that we have with this capitalist society, you know, is that the rule of capital is the one and all that covers everything. And then there are some behaviors or behavioral um, traits that you see with the elites. And like I said in I think um, Immaculata's episode, uh, these are our Nigerian capitalist elites. They've come of age. They have amassed enough capital to corner and pin down almost all aspects of the superstructure of society. You know, so it's time to gloat. It's time to show that domination in your face because there's really no element of society that you can pull, you know, to put pressure on them. So is it the AGF that wants to contest? Like the highest aspect of law is in there with them people in the military in there with them, the people, even the aristocratic trade unions, you know, they are there slumbering, media is under their, you know, control, religion aspects is, is there, there's not like, so what do you have? It's, it's, it's a defenseless society that cowers or that has been beaten to, you know, submission, ex- existential submission you know, as to, okay, it's this guy that run the show. And then what you're seeing is just the tug of one moneyed interest against, you know, the other to show and to show and prove to you that, yeah, this electoral space as one more part of the superstructure is a part that we've dominated. And one, you're not going to consider or think about any candidate that, that doesn't even have money. Two, we are going to use this money to exclude anybody. Like, this this is a factor now. It's a real factor that the bourgeois elites, these capitalist elites, have woven into the political system, political fiber of this country that if you don't have billions, you shouldn't come near any form of political, uh, you know, um, game or p- political, con- um, like, voting, all this kind of shit. You know, so this is what they've achieved. This is what they've been able to do to exclude people, you know, from politics, the common people, you know, like, if I have an initiative that's to forward, you know, carry forward my people and all that, if I don't have billions, then I can't even, you know, jump into the ring with you guys. This is what they've done. And this is why we keep encouraging people to be class conscious, because this, as you've explained, is a sign of their dominance. They don't hide it anymore. You know, they don't hide it anymore. That's sort of my point is that, like, in a sense, no one can escape being class conscious when the ruling parties declare that their nomination form is 100 million. Because suddenly you think of your own bank account and you're like, come on, I'm going to have to work for how many (laughs) hundreds of years 
you know, before as a, get to his horror meal. Yeah, as a, you know, like uh, or cutter rider or corn seller yeah. to get that kind of yeah. million, right? Like, you know, yeah. if you just talk to any Uber driver and you just see hundred million, right? Like I say, they'll roll their eyes mm. because it's well, just like, it, it confronts you immediately with the stark division between the people who are ruling us and us. Yeah, but the thing is, this this difference isn't properly brought home. And people yeah. don't, they see, it, there's this difference, they see it from an idealistic standpoint. Like, okay, this is what it is. These people are, you know, they are above us. This is how they've yeah. been, that, this is how things have been ordained. You know, there's nothing we can do, you know. In other parts of the country, maybe the north is more, it's more, you know, um, chronic. In mm. the south, there's this, oh, it's just okay, let's just take it like that. We're not in trouble. So, you know, that kind of shit. Right. But when you when see it, that, that is material, material processes, processes, you know, that got these people there. It is the impoverishment of you and I. It is the sabotage of the economy. It is this decades of bastardization, monopoly and all that, that got them there. That even put, you know, me in this Okada riding shit or this um, prostitution shit. Then you understand fully that there has to be steps taken to block the way of these people or to even get them out of power. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah. what happens on the flip side is there's the ideal, idealistic acceptance of this mm. shit. So we just complain about the difference. Oh, is this, uh, yeah, is this rich people? This what, you know, this what they do. This, this, you know, yeah, yeah. In fact, some yeah. will even be amazed by, yeah, you know. But it's the commonwealth of the people that have that has made them into these monsters now, you know, and politics and power feed off themselves. Like there's a two-way interaction line between politics and power. You want to control the politics so you can give you access to politics and power and money. Actually, sorry, that's what I meant. Power and money. So yeah, power and money. There's a two-way causal line between them. So you want power for money and money to, to you know, enshrine your power. So it's a cycle that keeps going on. You know, so we see that that, that young elite that, you know, has been there since the military time, nationalist times, you know, the same name recurring. Mm-hmm. They've, they've put enough money away, as Fanon said, if you read Regent of the Earth, he says, there, come, he says there, there comes a time when these guys will have put, off, put, put away enough money to stiffen their control over the political system. And this is what we have now. It's what is what is showing. You yeah. know, so when we tell people to read all these kind of things, it's not in an abstract manner, but it's playing out right in front of you. You can see it now. You yeah. know, who's going to take anybody serious that doesn't have hundreds of millions now? Right. Because the form ordinarily is 100 million. How do you mobilize people across the nation <laughs> After for you your vote? How do you print posters? How do you print posters? How do you get people from point transport, logistics, yeah. media time, yeah. you know, all these kind of things? Like, you know, your supporters, you know. Yeah, and, and those other expenses, they were they were kind of implied, you know, they were they were kind of um, not as obvious because they didn't have a yeah, yeah. like a the obvious one. headline. The obvious one. Yeah, sort of headline grabbing yeah. uh yeah. tag. Yeah. Uh, and the sad thing is that because these people are not class conscious, they see this as a tournament, as though it was Manchester United and uh, all these football clubs playing. You don't want to be part of the losing team. How can you won't even fathom supporting someone like maybe less, let's push Shorel, just let me throw Shorel out there that doesn't have money that can't buy the form. Like you will see it as being on the losing team. 
by saying, oh, what does he have? He doesn't even have money. He doesn't support your consecrating, you know, and even making your domination fuller by buying into what the elites, the, the laid out rules that these people have, has, you know, the people, this is the rules that they've put out as getting into the political um, scene. Like, so you won't, you have to remove your brain from the cage that they cage you in and start looking somewhere else. Because people that want to spend billions on elections have to at least recoup their money when they get in there. That's the first thing they have to do. You know, so that's the thing. And this is the character of a capitalist society, which money determines the character of everything. I definitely agree with that. I mean, the aspect of that where you point to, let's call it the ideological nature of the status quo, because people, to some extent, a lot of people have normalized this situation. So when you're describing yeah. the kind of analogy of, AP, you know, APC versus PDP, it's like Champions League or whatever, right? It just suggests yeah. that people have bought into it. Like, they're just like, yeah, this is how things work. So yeah. that's just that. And I think, honestly, yeah. like, there's an extent to which we don't take that seriously enough. You know, this is one of my normal hobby horses. Um, mm. <laughs> I think the um, there's an extent to which the left doesn't really take that seriously enough, that people have beliefs that hold up this system so that even when the exploitation and oppression becomes so naked, they can still yeah, normalize they still, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so actually, I think it's, it's not that people are always purple. being bought over, you know, by the ruling elite. Sometimes they're being nakedly oppressed. And yet, even in those moments, like even in moments where people are still are conscious of the difference between them and, you know, maybe we won't, we won't go as far as calling it class consciousness, but they're conscious of a different status. We're like I'm at least financial this. difference, uh -huh. like different income level. Yeah, doesn't automatically translate into like any kind of opposition, right? So it means our work yeah. is more is more serious than just pointing out the difference. It's also pointing out maybe the possibility for something different, you know, for changing it, you know, which yeah, I think to be honest, like even some of us like struggle to imagine you know, a world beyond what we have at the moment, not to talk of communicated, right? Yeah, it, it, it's really tough to do. And this is where people like Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, you know, the Italian Marcus, well, this is where he comes in. This, I, you know, his theory on cultural, you know, hegemony or like hegemony generally. Like, look, you won't know when you start imbibing, thinking like, thinking for, aiding your oppressors by assimilating their worldview and propagating their domination on yourself like this is it you can't uh imbibe these things and think you're you can't imbibe an oppressive um ideology you know and not be and you're not in control of that ideology it means you're at the receiving end of the oppression you know that kind of thing so and these elites they know to create they know to you know foster they know to enshrine, they know to promote these things, you know, and make it seem like, ah, you people on the ground, you, how do you even imagine a world outside of what we have here? This is why it is very, very important. I always, it's important to read, it's important to, you know, arm yourself mentally with tools that allow you break away from this mental box that it puts people in. Like your material reality, yeah, it shapes how you think, but when you feed yourself with something 
that you know exposes you into what can be or what could be or the other modes of arrangement other modes of being then you can start making the material efforts into changing you know what you're inside of at that point in time this is essentially what a revolution is like okay we have filled our lords and then we imagine where everyone is equal we imagine where the means of production and the, the mode of production is you know inside the hands of the people controlled by the people generally owned you know and then you walk towards it that's it you know so do you need to organize do you need to enter the bush and carry gun do you need to talk to people do you need to make stuff on social media do you need to tackle other aspects of the superstructure be it, be it the electoral system be it religion be it the educational institutions like it then maps out a pathway for you to follow you know, to arrive at this beautiful world that you've imagined. So without that imagination and without the material motion towards that dialectical relationship, then, you know, there's, there's really nothing you can do if you don't have, you know, a clear understanding of the kind of problem that you're inside of. And this is what is hurting. Yes, so, so, I mean, I guess part of what we're talking about is consciousness, right? And like, yeah, you know, how it emerges and, um, you know, the various forms it can take. And I mean, yeah. to pose the question in a slightly, maybe a revisionist uh, direction, like, would you say that is, could one then say that class consciousness is not sufficient for like, you know, even if it's necessary, it's not enough in its own to trigger some kind of social, social change if the consciousness is also of the inevitability of class you know so if you like read the newspaper and you see this hundred million and you're like wow these guys these guys completely control everything and you're like well that just means there's nothing i can do then i mean that means that yeah maybe you have a certain amount of class consciousness insofar as you know that you're not you're not them they're not you you know or let's let's call it status consciousness right but like that's not enough. In fact, that that can itself be disempowering, right? So it doesn't yeah, mean you know, yeah, that class consciousness clearly is not like sufficient for like moving along um, social, uh, social transformation. Uh, so this is this is uh, where you know the work of the vanguard comes in to help people give them a direction. So I I I won't say yeah, maybe vanguardist. I don't say I'm a vanguardist. I don't say it depends on what the times call for. If this um preliminary class consciousness or this economic let's just say this economical they are different from us. They earn more, they have more and leading to some sort of inertia, you know, amongst the masses of the people, then the job of a vanguard in this kind of society is to show them pathways show them examples of what has been done in other contexts and what could be done in our own context to first and foremost organize the people jump them out of this inertia and move them towards action it might be a gradual process you know but once you're able to wake people up chart a course for them show them the pathway you know like this revolutionary consciousness is like a compass i'd say that leads you to you know making material moves to achievement of the goals that you want so if there needs to be a vanguard if there needs to be an educational program if there needs to be you know a reorientation of even the left itself 
to look for how to you know best mobilize and organize the people then there'll be room for for a change which would um you know jolt the people out of this uh, fatalistic and hands up in the air type of you know um admission that they can't do anything you know that's once again the idealistic way you know of viewing things that we have to help them jump out of you know if we want you know any form of progress because yeah the the contradictions of this society will will gnaw it will gnaw at you know your being it will gnaw at your consciousness it will gnaw at your pockets it will gnaw at it it will eat you up if you're not careful you know and one can only imagine what's doing to you know really poor people people that hawk on the streets and all that so they just want to get the next cupboard to get by you know so you're here to show and explain to them that look life doesn't have to be like this when it was like this for so so and so people this is what they did when it was like this was so so and so people so is what they did and of course we can you know try to put a condition you know or a situation in this our local context you know to move into progress that's it so it's the work of the vanguard to you know work of the vanguard or whatever forward <laughs> uh political formation that the left can put together to help the people get out of this doldrum yeah yeah, but do you see that happening at the moment vis-a-vis -vis this community, ah. you know, just <laughs> or just in general? I mean, I know this is terrain that we've covered before, but I yeah. wonder if you've observed any kinds of changes since our last reflection on this sub subject. I don't I don't think um, any form of action, you know, yeah. is um is going on towards that in terms of what we're seeing on ground. It might be bubbling. Mm. you know but i'm not seeing enough you yeah know? and again maybe yeah yeah like maybe the the left just has to theorize a new form of action that is specific to the nigerian condition because the reason that we are revolutionaries the reason that we are you know historical materialists and people that has been equipped with um this way of thinking and worldview is for us to be live is for us to you know make thorough assessment of what our own condition is and come up with something that is in line. Because uh, as Samura Marshall says, it says every revolution is a contribution to Marxism. So mm -hmm. if we are able to fashion out a, our own way, it will go into the books of world revolution that when the times were like this in this country, this was the brilliant idea that came up from the Nigerian left to overthrow or to remove this nasty ruling class so it's time to really get back to the table assess the mental level of the people assess where they are at see where you can meet up with them and build this you know movements and formation with them and move onward to the next you know political program you know so it's hard to do i don't think that realization you know is there yet or mm -hmm. you know or fully it's not there yet you know that kind of thing so no that's yeah, yeah essentially no <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no clearly it's not um yeah for better or worse for worse unfortunately yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just the era of 100 millions now 100 yeah. million gang 100 million boys yeah um, boys man yeah and that's the irony right is that like the real scammers are right in front of our faces right um yeah, yeah. You know, and they're not they're not hiding it anymore. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But um I mean I guess maybe slightly lightheartedly, like who do you think is winning is gonna win amongst the hundred billion 
boys. Who do you well, do? among Caribbean boys? <laughs> I can't say yeah because we have they're not. They're not up to they're not up to hundred million yet. Yeah. <laughs> they're still getting into the ring, so we have just about maybe fifteen or ten out of hundred million. Ah, yeah, but so they have a million feet to get involved. Yeah, yeah, they won't play that. Yeah, you know. So I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but uh, Tinubu seems to be yeah. a major, you know, um, player in this shit. Yeah. Um, people yeah. are pushing Peter B. There's Oshibajo there. So maybe until the smoke clears off the primaries, yeah. the internal party primaries, then we can say, okay, yeah, this, these are the people that might, you know, grasp or grasp yeah, power, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's well, this that, that, you know, I think it's the 30th, the primaries. So shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Lotus has already sh- shaped up, presumably. Yeah. It's going to be a real tussle amongst them, you yeah, know, because it's a game for the ruling class to play now. And when the ruling class have, they, you know, they have money, they have all, all the things to fight with. So it's usually going to be dirtier. Yeah. Because bullet for bullet, as Asari Dokubo said, <laughs> go for it that way. Naira for Naira. Yeah. Go for it that way. Media for media. Airtime for airtime. Retweets for retweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Propaganda for propaganda. You know that kind of thing. So, yeah. It's so you're, going you're, to be really you're not, tough. You're not going to... You're not a betting man this time. Like, you're not putting your money behind. I don't know. No, I'm not... You know, since... Well, it's not, it's not my game. You know, it's not my game, so I won't put any stake or wager into it. For you know, it's just something to watch, and you know, look at and smile. Okay, yeah. Okay, but, but but do you think? I mean, um, yeah. You know, I'm firing some hot questions now. Let me get into some things here. That's good. That's good. I'm cool. You know, <laughs> cool, cool with that. <laughs> no, okay. So like, you know, there are a lot of people. Some people on the kind of liberalish wings of the left would be like, well. At least it's better that we're getting this time around no generals in the race. And, you know, there's a bunch of, let's say, younger, if not youth, um, contestants. <laughs> you know, where, where we've been dominated in the past electoral cycles by, let's call them the baby boomer generation to use the American term, right? But people who were born before um, independence. Now we're having people who were born like slightly after independence or whatever, you know, that sort of Gen X, even if they're the, um, even if they're the earliest members of that generational block. Do you see that as even a sort of moderate progress in our national development? Like, and the other thing is obviously these Gen X guys, by and large, speak better English. You know, see someone yeah. like Simbajo, like, you know, <laughs> clearly not an idiot, right? Like, clearly, you know, like, um, uh, kind of has a certain command of... Uh, of, <laughs> of uh, uh, dictionary. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, people like fire me um, with doctorates or whatever, yeah, at Kings. Um, who, again... Um, yeah, even someone like Peter O'B, like these, you know, he, he, you will hear some people say that, you know, during his time in Anambra, like as governor, he had some sort of basic grasp of how to encourage market, the markets to grow to some extent, you know, he was like, kind of had the basic, um, 
economic understanding, um, you know, to not embarrass people and how he talked about statistics or whatever. Um, mm. And I guess maybe that translated into some policy uh, outcomes from the perspective of enabling, creating an enabling environment for business or this sort of thing. So, I mean, how would you respond to that? You know, people who say, well, look, this is at least better than where we're coming from. Well, you know, these things are mechanical or, you know, like the wheels of life just keeps moving and moving. But how do you shape those wheels? How do you turn those wheels? You know, that kind of thing. Like these guys that were the early guys, they'll die off and new younger people without any form of, you know, in, in addition, they'll come in. So when, it, when it's the aspect of age, it's really not a marker for me. You know, I'd, I'd rather have an old man, at least that can function, that has revolutionary ideals, that understands, you know, the intricacies of this, our society, and is able to do the radical things that we need to do and to uncouple Nigeria from a lot of all the nonsense, you know, that's inside of to allow room for progress. Than a young person that's imbibed, you know, an oppressive mentality and a, a mentality that or an ideology that, you know, is to further enslave the people, further privatize things, further, you know, uh, put the masses, you know, in a position where they're not able to even have any good thing, you know, in life, you know. So it's not about the age for me. Neither is it about the amount of degrees that you had, you know, like it's not about the amount of degrees that you have. We have, we have revolutionaries, the best people to read, you know, like you see because of a grasp of history, you know, dialectics, all this kind of, they come up with, you know, pertinent and much needed, historically needed things. Um, class dynamics, class struggle, class interplay, you know, um, what the nature of Nigerian economy is, the level of consciousness of the people, you know, where they are at historically, what you need to reinstill you know, in the people, that kind of thing. Like, there are a lot of battles to be fought when it comes to, you know, the average Nigerian, you know, the mindsets, religiosity, um, the economics, the neocolonial economics, like our attachment to global capitalism as, you know, a raw material provider, that kind of thing. There are a lot of things that need to be shaped up, the education. So if you're, if you're conscious of, the urgency and the amount of things that you need to do, not just coming to push the wheel forward. If you've shown that you understand, you know, this uh, varying of uh, multiple aspects of what the Nigerian state needs at this point in time, then you get my vote, you get my support, you know, but if you're just there to say, okay, yeah, it's because the older guys have died out and it's now our turn, of course, there's the penetration of more education back then when Nigeria started because we were under colonial rule, you know, they didn't care much for your education, but now that it's us, yeah, of course, by default, there'll be more schools, that's why you are more educated, it's not as if there's nothing, and you were educated to be administrative, to just push files here and there, you know, to facilitate the outflow of capital and resources. So it's not like you're doing anything special. You've not brought about any radical change, you know, in the country. And so it's not about your degrees. It's about what sort of radical transformations, structural, socioeconomic, political, economic transformations, you know, cultural transformations. You know, how do the people see the world? How do we see ourselves? If you're, if you're conscious of that, then you get my vote. Like, the Nigerian needs a lot of work. You know, and it's, yeah, it's, I mean, of course, I hear that, right? But 
to play the devil's advocate slightly further, you know, some people will say, well, look, it's not just about age. Like, you know, okay, fine. Young people can also be, or younger people, the Gen X people can also be reactionary. But some of these ones that are putting their names forward, I mean, they uh, have pushed forward some quote-unquote progressive ideas. Like, you know, Osimbajo will say that he was part of the reason why the APC um, did conditional cash transfers, right? Which, uh, you know, at least in theory, um, put money in the hands of some people who didn't have it before, you know, or people like Fahimi will say, okay, in their own states, they also did things like some, you know, maybe slightly paid pensions. That's, <laughs> at, uh, I'm struggling to advocate for the devil. Let me keep trying. Um, you know, they paid pensions on time or, you know, they did like uh, various kinds of social security for the elderly or whatever, and that they want to bring these to the federal level. In fact, I mean, I saw an interview with Fahimi when he was declaring that he was running where he said that um, he's actually going to try to increase taxation on the wealthy, you know? So, I mean, in practical policy terms, like some people will say, well, look, this, isn't this what you guys are claiming to be Marxist or socialist or whatever? Isn't this what you want? Don't you want more social security? Don't you want more taxation on, on the wealthy? I mean, why can't you just accept these guys as the best possible alternative, given that your own left parties are at the moment um, not doing much, you know, <laughs> electorally. How would you respond to that that kind of comment? Uh, so this is what I, this is what I would say. This is what I would say. Like, look, what's the and this this tied into what I said at my previous point. Like, when you understand what needs to be done for Nigeria, there's there's only so much of 5,000 naira you can share to everybody. When especially the inflation will eat the money up from you. It's not like you're sharing 5,000 pounds or 5,000 dollars. Like that money is nothing on ground. Like, you know, because there's a backlog of uh, costs that these people have to take care of, they have to pay tax. Like you can't be on one hand saying you want to help them and then you've set up like giving them 10 things, you know, to worry about and you're giving them like two solutions. Like, you know, that kind of thing. We are saying, the mode of production in Nigeria at this moment and the means that we're using to pro pro produce the shit that we are producing cannot carry society further. How we are doing it and the relations of doing it, the relations of production cannot carry Nigeria further. Yeah, you can't share five, even during COVID, you wanted to share stuff, share this. Like if we were in a country where people, if there was a large middle class, as, as they'd say, all these progressive guys, and then there was money, the earning power was okay, there was good health care, all these kind of things, people would have been comfortable to at least sit at home for like two weeks, one, like, and the healthcare was okay. We'll make a proper assessment of what COVID was, and then there won't, there wouldn't have been this much breakdown, or there wouldn't have been that much break down of you know societal order but when you have a backlog of you know dehumanization you've sunken the people so low into poverty and then you're coming sharing five thousand or you're taxing you you know like no we need an industrial society like we need a society that involves masses of the people in production that will generate this much money that can run us, carry us forward, jolt us into the 21st century, or jump us into the 21st century, and then we're able to have good healthcare, education, increase the mental level of the people. That's the only help 
that you can do to people or can you like can do for people now there's no amount of oh, arubo you share what about oh, are you going to share go into the streets it's essentially a feudalist way of thinking that okay let's just sit down with the oppression of society with the, with our stagnation of society in underdevelopment because we are primitive accumulators but we are just going to pay a bit more because when you pay that bit more and then it goes back into the states that gives you more tax breaks that gives you like it's like you're running straight on us now which kind of package you're down uh we want society where the industrial we want society where surplus is generated in terms of wealth in terms of value added in terms of value added in terms of you know um, uncoupling ourselves from this crude oil type of behavior like let all of all regions or all parts of the country let us produce if it's education we want to focus on if it's healthcare if it's tourism or do i have my problems about tourism bit, you know but let's just move such that the country will be so wealthy and then you know we'll have a real society like uh, what's it called fanon fanon said that these elites now that they can't even create a real bourgeois society you know because being bourgeois means that you've industrialized society you've um you know improved production you are the forefront of science and all that but what do we have here you know if you ask some of these guys to list what the constituents of uh, crude oil is aside pms and diesel so what of other industries you know, that kind of thing. So we don't want your Uaru, but we don't want we want a society that involves the masses of the people in production, in industrialization and all that. That's the only solution. And education must come fast because the country is in a very sad um, condition or position when it comes to you know um, the mental level of the people. So that's what I'll say. That would be my own response. It's not just about you know um, creating taxing these people more. You know, if, if you've not changed the order of the day. We want you to change the order of the day by uncoupling these relations of production that allows for monopoly of essential services, what we call lifeline services, you know, and what shapes the economy. So that's my own such submission when it comes to I mean, to that economy. makes a lot of sense to me. And you know, there are kinds of advanced fee fraud where the scammer will actually send you small money first. Mm-hmm. You don't see I'm not them be the Nigerians. That's not them going to be the Nigerians. They are the quintessential characterization of what we call the Nigerians. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about uh, where we go, but anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, um, yeah, to, to kind of move towards this sort of conclusion, we started entering into an area of conversation that I think, honestly, we on this com- on this series, and the left in general probably doesn't talk about enough, which is just the sort of pure policy questions. I mean, I know that like there are various debates about, um, you know, uh, how to actually engage with policy questions as radicals or revolutionaries, given that the capacity to actually carry them out is lacking, you know, like in sort of, uh, you know, I've heard that whole phrase about, you know, the cook shops of the future or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are limitations in our capacity to actually carry this stuff out. So some people say, well, what's the point of having a conversation? But I think it's probably still worth in the process of trying to imagine what the world could be like, you know, putting ourselves in the shoes of, or putting ourselves, you know, at, th- at least hypothetically in like positions of power and trying to imagine what we would do. And one of the things you've continued to bring up 
in this conversation and previous conversations is this question of industrialization, right? Yeah. So let me pose a couple of questions about industrialization, you know, and like how you think it would work in a kind of future context where the people are in power in some respect, you know, and then just sort of see what you think before we wrap up. So, I mean, there's some like debates in some areas of the left here about industrialization where people say, actually, why pursue industrialization in a context of global climate catastrophe, right? Like that can, can Nigeria actually aspire to industrialize to the level of China, not to even talk about, you know, some of the post-industrial societies, given how cooked the earth already is, you know? So that's one criticism of like industrialization as a goal. Another one is that like, you know, they'll say, well, I mean, our economy has grown even though it's not industrialized, it's grown fairly substantially, you know, like debatably, but it's grown to some extent in the past two decades, right? You know, we had growth in quotes um, mm. in the Obasanjo era all the way to the end of Jonathan, right? To oil Service prices. Economy, uh, uh, you know, they say the economy has expanded 170%. No, well, people are poorer for it. Uh-huh. So, so that's the thing. So the, so the critics of industrialization will say just the production of more wealth does not necessarily lead to redistribution. Like we could have industrialization and people would still be even poorer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, those are the two kinds of criticisms I hear on some segments of the slightly more environmentally um, prioritizing left, if we want to call them that against industrialization as a plank that the left pursues in Nigeria. How would you respond to that? Like, you know, to you, do you think that those criticisms are valid or like what are the limitations and how do you resuscitate the idea of industrialization, um, you know, beyond those criticisms? uh, Well, the people at the forefront of these things, you know, most of them, the climate, whatever, most of them are abroad, you know, Come to Nigeria and come and see what's going on here, you know, where like we want at least we want to advance to a point where basics will not be luxury for us. Whatever that is like, whatever that is, that's it. That's what we want, you know. You know how do you justify where kids don't have access to the basics, no healthcare, nothing? We need to get society to that point. However, there are cleaner technologies that have evolved. So this global west or global north or whatever that are proponents or that are espousing all these ideas, they should open up these technologies and stop all these industrial, these IPO patents, whatever bullshit. Like, if you don't want the earth to be cooked, you better start opening up all these technologies, you know, to people so that our industrialization path will not be dirty. It will be clean, it will be environmentally friendly, and the earth will be a place that we all would, you know, be cool to relax and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the thing. For reasons that you know very well, I mean, they're unlikely <clears throat> to open up the patent and so. So then you can't eat your That's the dialect. Like, that's the contradiction of life. Like, you know, if you allow these countries to go their own route, you know, like countries like China, if you're then, you can't pay lip service to human development or planetary development. Like the molecules of CO2 will not... You can talk all the bullshit you want, 
But when it comes to the law of greenhouse gases, CO2, yeah, NOx or SOX, so, like it won't methane gas. It will do what it's going to do in the, in the you know, biosphere. And you, what you want to do is to help these countries that you're, of course, dominating financially, that you're dominating UN, you're dominating militarily, at times open domination. If you want progress for them, then you're supposed to put your, you know, money in the slot machine to get it running so that we too will go on the path of clean technology, clean energy, solar panels, green renewable energy, so that our industrialization will make sense. And then again, that will not happen properly if the class component is not fixed because you can't be at the, you can't have a bunch of elites at the top determining how the surplus of that wealth will be spent which well, is yeah. essentially what nigeria that's the know, second did system, right that says that yeah, that's uh, the second one. even if you have industrialization why would it be redistributive under the same class conditions we have at well, if we want, the class conditions have it must in fact i i say that the class conditions must change first mm -hmm. and then if you have a progressive class they will go out there to liaise with countries that are more willing to get those technologies to get us further mm -hmm. so in fact i think the class component is very crucial i think it's the key like they like uh, there's this quote by one brazilian uh marxist environmentalist that says um class, uh, env environmentalism without class consciousness is just gardening <laughs> So you're just you're just having fun, you know, yeah. without resolving you know, no why to the, to the hardcore gardeners who are part of our fun. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so, you know, so it means you're just playing around. You're not resolving why there's emissions. Like there's agroecology now, you know, like um of course I, I food security, my line with food security, you know, there's agroecology, there's you know, better ways of doing doing farming, you know, like working hand in hand with the ecosystem, with nature. Yeah, yeah, you know that kind of thing, like and there are a lot of indigenous technologies, um, farming technologies has been with us, variants of um seeds, all these kind of things that we can look into to ensure, you know, that we have a low input you know, low to moderate input uh, agriculture and all these monocultures that we're doing, you know, like we have to start being smart, you know, as to how we go about doing things, you know. Yeah, so that's the thing, like ways of building things up, ways of arranging um, our economy, you know, social services, all these kind of things that we can tap into to ensure that we don't go the same destructive route as these uh, people have gone, you know, that kind of thing. So. I see if people if you open your mind, you know, you'll see that there are ways of fixing uh, problems, you know. Yeah. So yeah, okay. So what do you take of the what do you make of the take that says as things currently stand, we already have enough resources to do substantial redistribution if the class forces were aligned such that that was possible, like that we wouldn't necessarily even have to like you know, um, let's say reorganize the productive forces. Like we could just do redistribution with the resources that we currently have, you know, expropriate the alikos and the uh, um, Femi uh, world. It won't lead to, you know, it won't lead to any long-term development. It's just create more barbaric, you know, um, formations. Because it's a same as if okay, we're just taking and then we just put to them. What happens? 
like wealth has to lead into material improvements then material improvement lead to wealth and wealth to material improvements you know you know at the end of the day is a point where we have to get to more leisure time doing the things that are characteristically more human like not a, a point of just self-perpetuation or just surviving you know people are getting to stage whereby you know you have to use um you know less time in the more productivity per unit time uh, i'd say you know that kind of thing so we have to be productive because what's going to be the function of graduating a petrochemical engineer where what you just do is dig the oil and sell it what's the function of that petrochemical engineer what's the function of industrial engineer what's the function of electronic electronic elect engineer or elect elect engineer where you bring in when you bring in all your all your implement electronical stuff from abroad what's the function of people that are into maybe some sort of mechanical engineering where you bring all your when you bring all your cars and the components in from abroad like so we need it's not just about that the distribution of wealth what's the material change you know in terms of the advancement of science you know and improvement of our own civilization to start what are we bringing to the big framework the big picture that is humanity what stroke of paint are we contributing we've done that with you know the nile civilization we've done that with big civilizations you know back then you know centuries ago now that the world has changed and then you know the historical evolution has been disrupted by colonialism and now neocolonialism were frozen into a point of you know like we've ossified into just freezing and not contributing there was this um neil deGrasse tyson um speech that i was watching and then he was making uh it was showing the world in terms of scientific publications you know so like different maps and different countries where were enlarging and then they were shrinking based on their scientific pu publications and then he, he forwarded into 50 years or 20 years china got bigger japan bigger america shrunk africa sh africa was nothing on that map and and forwarding it into 50 years it shrunk even further into not more nothingness so that's sad like yeah well because that, um like because because they would have um western institutions would have done uh more affirmative action and hide more africans in the spirit of decolonization so we'll go and contribute to their own uh, scientific progress so that's the thing like based on the current trends yeah you see that that's what they did you know that's what they did based on their own western stuff but imagine where a revolution comes in and puts us back on that trajectory of development of contributing to humanity it necessarily doesn't have to even be in all the scientific line and all that it might be human interaction because africa is really rich in terms of you know human interaction social interaction of course even in the scientific line there are new things waiting to be discovered you know new nobel prizes to be won new scientific pathways to chart you know that kind of thing so if we get on the stage and do what we have to do and contribute to humanity on our own terms and in the right conditions you see that come on man a lot of these um discoveries a lot of these um, new fields that are being uh, explored and new scientific achievements they are done by africans nigerians abroad so it's possible to do that over here like you know so there's really nothing we shouldn't have that uh inferiority complex in our mind that oh we can't we can't do anything i always liken this current arrangement of the world as like a, a train coach you know in front that's the western world you know that feels like they can be driving the train as the coach 
or what, what they call these people that ride the train, uh, captain or whatever. They, they are the ones in front. Anywhere they go, they want the rest of the coach, the ones at the back to keep on following them. But if you've done your revolution, you chart your own train track and you go at your own pace. Fortunately, if you've done the revolution and it's really one that is good, you can go faster and build your own nice. Literally, China did. They have faster trains. Let's let's even forget analogy now. They have faster trains than the US. More train tracks, longer kilometers, and all that. Africa too can jump away from the back of these people, build its own tracks, check your own development out, look at your own social economic context, and all. Look at the resources that you have. Look at the human resources, natural resources, and chart your own, uh, build your own track and go your own route. It's not that it's what what they finished using in the West used car used. Yeah, yeah which, I gotta which, anyway, because uh, of course we have our next few conversations here about banditry. So yeah, hold that. Yeah, yeah, we, we, that space. yeah, yeah you, know? you know, yeah. So I feel Africa can do a lot, and there's room only if we fix what is standing in the way of this um actualization you know so that's that's what i feel i hope i answered your question <laughs> no, no 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 good good point man and i think yeah i mean i'm aligned with you on a lot of that stuff like i don't think that we can totally dismiss industrial sorry industrialization <laughs> as, uh, no, no, as no, a goal no, as no, an aspiration no, given no. that the truth is that the productive level is below what people desire I mean, yeah, despite yeah. its problems and its flaws and the issues with, um, you know, potential environmental issues and such, that has to be seen to navigate around, you know, rather than avoid. Yeah. Uh, just sitting and romanticizing loin clocks up and down, uh, chasing tiger. <laughs> anyway, we have to hold the material world by its neck and uh, work with it together. Yeah, but you know, and under a new paradigm, one that doesn't necessarily see so, what nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And I under under a paradigm that doesn't see nature as something to be conquered, but like yeah, no, no, no. Uh, this is what is causing the problem. Like you know, nature is sleeping for that. When I use the word "hold it by its neck," I didn't mean to conquer it. I mean it's to like in a loving, <laughs> in a loving manner. Right, 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 right. The, oh, okay. The, right, in a BDS yeah, right the idea. Way, no, Wahala, yeah, I guess. Oh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the agricultural paradigm of, you know, monocultures and all this, you know, agriculture that just wipes off diversity. You know, we've seen that it's led to more pests, super pests, super diseases, you know, low, low productivity per acreage. All these kind of things that we've seen, yeah. And there's this beautiful Engels um, quote that um, talks about domination of nature and all that. I really can't remember it, but he, the summary is that if you feel you've dominated nature, it comes back to bite you in the ass. That's just it. People, yeah, people should check that quote out. So maybe if I have the link or something, like that, and you know, so it's really well worded, you know. So that's the thing. We have to work together. That's the essence of agroecology, ecological adaptations, you know, uh, adapting to climate change in ways that, you know, you won't put more greenhouse gases in the air, all these kind of things. Really essential, man, for the African mind to open up and really, really get busy. Nice. Well, look, I mean, we've been talking for about an hour. I know you have to run. Um, And I get, you know, know, starting out on a slightly pessimistic 100 million boys note. It's um, probably not a bad place to end on a slightly more 
forward-looking, oriented Revolutionary note. optimism. Indeed, you know, it's critical <laughs> at our times. And um, yeah. no, I mean, it's something I think we should probably explore more in the future, you know, like the future, because yeah. it's something that, yeah. um, in theory, the left is supposed to be oriented by and like inspired by and seeking to shape. But there's a way in which, you know, in the context of like this sense of climate apocalypse and, um, you know, without, without any obvious alternative political pathways presenting themselves, the future has often seemed a bit bleak. But I think actually yeah. sitting down and trying to imagine what an um, alternative future could look like is like one of our tasks. Yeah, and it, it, it gives us the, you know, mental capacity and the tools, you know, to physically go at it. So that's probably, you know, you know, that's where we started from, imagining the world and then, and yeah, so... That's the thing. It's really important. That is, that thing is really important. Yeah. Right. So more yeah. of that soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, so, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. We should, I suppose we can we should, end we should, it. We should, we should wrap it up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Why do you post my recording? Yeah. 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 Y